Hello, and welcome to The Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate news and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence, hosted by food logistics and supply and demand chain executive. We cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability impacting today's supply chains. I'm Brielle Jekyll, your associate editor, and we are furthering our conversations on sustainability this month with an interview with an MIT project manager in the institution's lab, which is focused specifically on sustainability in the supply chain. So let's link into that conversation now. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm here with Kellen Betts, who's the project manager in the Sustainable Supply Chains Lab at the MIT Center for Transportation and Logistics. And I'm really excited today to talk about the circular economy. Hi, Kellen. Thank you so much for coming on with me today. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I look forward to our conversation. Yeah, so I think the circular economy is kind of one of the the more complicated in my head things of recycle recycle sorry of uh recycling and sustainability in the supply chain can you kind of just give me an explanation of what the circular economy actually is sure that's a, that's a great question and definitely it's kind of a complex um concept or topic um, but it maybe can be um, simplified if we just think about a simple example right and so um, aluminum cans, there's something that we see, we use probably every day. And we have our soda, our beer, our sparkling water, and our aluminum can. I mean, it actually turns out that 70% of the aluminum in that can actually comes from reuse or recycled aluminum, right? So these would be aluminum cans or other aluminum products that have been recycled through a system, you know, remelted and then put into a new, formed into a new aluminum can. Um, and that, that recycled aluminum actually uses 90% less energy than it than it would be to extract raw aluminum from the earth and process it into a, a can. And so um, that's a, it's kind of a simple example. It's very familiar. And we're all, you know, we all have our aluminum cans. I mean, it's a way to significantly reduce energy. And you do so by closing this loop, by creating this, like this circular um, pattern, if you are a circular model, um, in this case, the recycling model um, of a supply chain, right? So that's, the, that's kind of like the most basic example. Now, recycling with something like aluminum doesn't really apply to all kinds of products and all kinds of materials is really a kind of narrow example. Um, not mo- a lot of materials can't be recycled in the same way that aluminum can, um, but it's kind of a familiar um, simple example of how you can build a supply chain and then close that loop and recapture some of that value and do so and reduce energy while you do so. so does that make sense? Yeah, I think I guess I'm kind of always confused on how we're closing that loop. So like what steps do we take to create a, a circular economy and close that loop? Yes, that's a, that's a great yeah, great question. Because if you think about um, the idea of a supply chain generally, right, even just the name supply chain kind of implies this linear flow, right? This chain, this linear sequence of events from end, beginning to end. I and mean, often we think about that, you know, from raw material extracted from earth, whether it's aluminum or something else, um, through manufacturing and production processes, through consumers, and then often that linear flow then ends up into a landfill, right? And that's kind of like the classic linear model. Um, now, it's not necessarily the, the most traditional model, actually these closed loop models, reusing, remanufacturing, repairing products and with something that was done a long time ago, with something that was done more often and actually was very familiar. However, these um, in the 20th century, these long linear supply chains become, became very common due to low transportation costs 
because of um, really complex global supply chains, which bring you know, very valuable um, low cost products to market. They also make this linear model, they kind of embed this idea of this linear model into the supply chain, into our economy. Now with a, you know, a circular example, like you see think about um, the aluminum can example, um, there are a number of other areas within global supply chains within an economy where you can you know, apply similar circular thinking, right? And so other examples would be remanufacturing and repair, right? So a lot of products and a good example would be a car. I actually just this weekend, I went and um, replaced the wiper blades on my car, right? It would be unfortunate if I had to replace my whole car just because the wiper blades wore out, but I was able to go and buy replacement wiper blades and I'll put on my car and then continue to use my car, right? So that's another example of repairing, reusing, creating a small, simple circular um, loop within a supply chain, within a product design, and then the supply chain of that support of that product design um, that allows um, this circular thinking, if you will. So. so it has a lot of different legs to it. And, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. How does it specifically affect the supply chain? Does the supply chain, you know, kind of control a circular economy or is it just all aspects of business and then it affects the supply chain? Well, in some ways, even though it's called circular economy, the concept of circular economy really applies to the flow of materials, right? Flow of materials through that economy. And that flow of materials is inherently the supply chain, right? And so supply chain really kind of provides the central role, serves as a central role, like the beating heart of what would be a circular economy, of our economy more generally as well, but of a definitely of a circular economy. Um, you know, supply chain really provides that central role, um, coordinating that production and movement of, of that physical um, product and good material through our economy. So I've, I've always thought about this concept as being a, a little bit more involved than simply recycling. How are com companies able to encourage consumers to participate? Is it just recycling or is it, you know, more goes into it, like returning things a special way and sending it to the company, company directly or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's a number of areas um, where can, kind of consumers come into this conversation, if you will, and not necessarily the driving force. Um, in some ways, they're just part of this, this um, economy that involves um, the flow of product materials. Um, so I guess one way to I would think about from a consumer perspective right, is there's a couple, kind of a couple of key areas. One would be to you know, engage um, and educate consumers about their specific product, right? So this might be you know, how, how a consumer can repair or reuse a specific product. And this actually has become a, you know, actually become a problem and some consumers are advocating for better access to information and better access to parts and materials they can repair and reuse um, and rebuild the products that they own. As you're seeing a number of these initiatives, like 20 different states have what are they called the right to repair laws, right? So um, you know, basically requiring manufacturers to give consumers and repair shops instructions and spare parts so that consumers and these other repair shops, these parts of the circular um, or reverse or repair economy, if you will, um, can actually do so, right? Because a lot of products, like if you look at our smartphones, we have an all in our pockets. It's kind of hard to think about that smartphone, think about how you would actually go about repairing or reusing or even recapturing some of the, the value, because there's a lot of value materials in that smartphone. But right. it's kind of hard to think about how you would do so. I'm looking at the complexity um, of that smartphone. So. 
So what do you think that the future holds for the supply chain and the circular economy? Do you think, you know, it's, it's going to make, we're going to see a huge difference soon? Is it going to look completely different or is it just like little steps at a time to become more closed loop? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think, honestly, I think the, the future of the circular economy, the circular supply chain is really here already. It's been here for a long time. It's just here in kind of very small pockets, right? And so if you think about um, the aluminum can as a you know, simple example, that's, that's very common. Unfortunately, only something like 20% of um, aluminum cans are actually recycled. And so that's part of the challenge, right, is how to engage consumer in a frictionless way um, on that you know, end of life cycle um, mm -hmm. step. However, the, the circular economy is already here in many ways. The challenge, though, is that we have these big, we have these really complex global supply chains for most of the products that we use. So whether it's the cars, or the smartphone, um, or even the you know the water bottle that we um, drink water from, it comes from a very complex, long, um, linear supply chain. And so, it, it, what it means is that there's really going to have to be this mental shift um, from these cur the current way of thinking about supply chain, the current way of thinking about our economy and in this linear way to finding and identifying ways, um, shifting our, our mindset and finding ways to build in these small circular loops um, within that within those supply chains in order to recapture some of that value in order to reduce some of the waste coming out of those supply chains in order to reduce the energy and the carbon footprint of those supply chains as well. That's exciting to hear that you think, you know, a lot of it's already here. Um, it's nice to know that we're really moving in an, in a sustainable direction. Yeah, no, it's definitely an exciting area. And again, I, you know, I honestly think, you know, I, I, I you know, have a passion obviously for supply chain and I think there's a lot of others, um, you know, who it's kind of a small, small world, but there's a lot of others who kind of have a similar passion for supply chain. Um, and, and it really does serve like that central role um, in decarbonizing our economy and doing so through um, thinking more circular um, about how the supply chains um, are, are operate and, and are designed in the, in the from the beginning. Um, so it's an exciting area to, to be in for sure. So at MIT in the supply chain labs, what do you, what do you do with the circular economy? Do you, you know, innovate some things or are you primarily researching? Yeah, so we've done research in, in a number of areas um, related to like circular, circular models, if you will. A couple of years ago, um, I guess it's a little more than a year ago, we convened a roundtable of 40 or so companies, um, NGOs, um, researchers, others who are um, experienced in, in supply chain and in circular economy um, field. I mean, there's you know, a number of interesting insights that came out of that roundtable. Kind of, there's kind of four key themes or four key areas that um, companies are really trying to think about and, 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 and face challenges within you know, this you know, circular model or circular thinking. And that includes like product design. You know, obviously, if you think about you know that smartphone, for example, um, how that smartphone is designed from the very beginning can have a big impact on how you can repair, reuse, and then recycle or recapture some of the materials in that smartphone. Um, another you know key insight was um, the way that companies can collaborate um, and cooperate together. Because if you think about supply chains, they're a network of you know, business relationships, and sometimes those relationships are pretty complex. Um, and in order to change the way those relationships are structured in order to change the way the materials flow through those um, chains or flow, flow through those networks you really have to think differently about collaboration and cooperation um, another one was again on that that reverse model right so many companies um, are designed for this linear flow 
and they're not really designed to think about the reverse flow. So if you have products coming back, if you're trying to you know, reuse or recapture um, or recycle products, it's gonna have to flow back through those supply chains and most supply chains are not designed for that. They're designed for that forward flow. Um, so that's a huge area where companies face challenges. Um, right. And, and thinking more circular as well. So, um, so yes, yeah, so we do definitely do um, research in this area, active research in this area. Um, we have a couple of active projects um, in retail and in that reverse supply chain um, going on right now. And so um, it's definitely an area of active, active interest and research. Well, it's definitely a cool lab to be a part of, and it's an exciting time for sustainability in general, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the momentum has definitely shifted. Um, I think, you know, we all, this, this past year has been quite challenging on a number of levels, but supply chain has really come to the fore and everyone has really experienced, um, and the whole concept of supply chain has really become almost a, a somewhat common term where it was kind of an obscure uh, profession, an obscure term right? Really just a, a year ago or so. Um, but one interesting, I think one interesting thing that came through this last year, I think we all thought at least us in supply chain and those who are interested in sustainability and focused on sustainability thought that the, the pandemic might have um, shifted, you know, shifted the focus for most companies away from sustainability and decarbonization and toward, you know, resiliency with the disruption from the pandemic. However, we're actually finding, we just released um, some preliminary results just on Earth Day last week. We're actually finding that companies um, are still focused on sustainability. In fact, like 82% of companies, for example, that we surveyed, either increase their commitment to sustainability, or at least they, they maintain their existing commitments prior to the pandemic on sustainability. And so that's 80% of companies. That's um, a, a great finding. I think it really shows that sustainability is really top of mind. And now obviously we have a you know, very significant shift in political winds in the US um, that's aligning with a number of other similar um, you know, shifts that were already in place in some other areas of the world. And so I think that's going to help drive um, a lot of the interest and a lot of the activity around sustainability and then with supply chain serving as a central role with that. That's so great to hear that your research found that. And it's interesting for me because for the last year, you know, as journalists, we kind of, the people we were speaking to said, yes, that might be a factor that sustainability might fall to the wayside as we focus on resiliency and, you know, saving lives with the pandemic. And then we've noticed in talking and interviewing people that a lot of people were still really focused on, uh, sustainability. So it's it's so um, interesting to hear that there's actually a lot of research behind that as well, because it's it's so it, it was very awesome to hear that that is still taking place. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think what we one one shift that we will see probably and one shift that we are, you know, we have some early indications of, of some of the shift is that, um, you know, certainly climate is a, a significant um, challenge and a significant part of those commitments, but there also is an increased um, focus on some of the social dimensions of sustainability as well, because obviously climate and, and carbon are not the only components um, and in the, the disruption from the pandemic and, you know, the disruption in the, in the workplace um, really kind of, put, and obviously disruptions in more of a political and in our social um, spheres really kind of put more of a focus on some of those social dimensions of sustainability. Um, I think we're, we're, we're seeing some of the focus not necessarily has gone away from climate, it's just the, maybe that some of that increase that we saw um, in focus on sustainability came from that increased focus on some of those social dimensions, which is really, I think, um, 
um, optimistic yeah. and I think it's really um, exciting to see. So. Well, like I said, I think it's an exciting time and I, and it's definitely an exciting time to be in the supply chain as well. That is all I have time for today. Thank you so much for coming on with me. Yeah, thank you very much. It's um, my pleasure and I um, look forward to um, seeing you next episode. So. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Tune in every Tuesday for our episodes of Link by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a thumbs up or a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Brielle for more of what's happening in the supply chain. And do not forget to hit subscribe on the Spotify, Apple, and Google playlist apps so you never miss an episode.